0: Got three people down there. The ball's up in the air. Caught! Caught by Westbrook for a touchdown. I think they like my Colorado sway. Cuz when I minute play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to aid and when no minute it go. You know I'm acting bad. Holly get buffs with my Colorado sway.
1: Welcome swag. into the DNVR Buffs Podcast swag. presented by the American Raptors. I'm Henry Chisholm, and uh, it's been another busy couple of days. It seems like there's just more and more and more that's always happening. Um, but today, I'm really excited for this podcast. Um, yesterday, when I was up in Boulder, we had a chance to hear from Mike Sanford, the new offensive coordinator, Chris Wilson, who's been the defensive coordinator for a couple of seasons now. And uh, this is this is kind of the one and only time we hear from them this, this camp. So, you know, the... There's, what, three Mondays, I think, in this camp. Maybe there was another that we did something different. Um, but the first day of the week, it was the offensive assistants for the first time around. Then the next week, it was the defensive assistants. Then this week's the coordinators. Then you get Carl twice a week. You get the players a couple times a week. Um, but this is uh, this is our kind of one chance to, to talk with uh, these, these guys who are going to play a very, very Very significant part in deciding whether this football team is successful this season. Um, You know, we've talked a little bit about Mike Sanford before. I've had a chance to talk with him a couple times. Um, He's really impressive, though. Like, the guy just knows football, and and he's sharp, and he's quick. And uh, I'm excited to run through what he had to say. There's some tweaks to the defense. Excited to talk about some of that stuff with Chris Wilson. And uh, that's kind of the plan for today. Um, it's actually like three o'clock right now and I have to jump on like a video call thing for the DMVR bets podcast today, um, at three 30. So I might have to like pause in the middle of this, which is fine because it's a podcast. It's not like it's radio, but, um, that's a, uh, if I seem like I'm stressed at any point, it's probably me trying to figure that out because then you get on bets that gets over at four, then get back to this podcast and I still want to write something. And I, uh, I was hoping to get this. DMVR Madden League playoff game in before I go to the Rockies game. Rockies start at 6:40. Um so uh I've hit a really we hit the dense part of the afternoon. There's no wiggle room here. So uh let's uh let's jump in. You know what? Let's jump in with Mike Sanford. Um so he uh he comes over here from Minnesota. He's uh, going to be coaching the quarterbacks as well as being the offensive coordinator. Uh, I think that just that setup makes a lot more sense than what, what was going on before. Um, but we actually have five clips from him. Um, actually, it was six from Chris Wilson, but the five from uh, from Mike are much longer um, and that starts with this opening statement. The opening statement was a very long opening statement, but I think it was a good one. I mean, he basically covered everything that's going on. Uh, and and here's here's what that sounded like.
2: You know, first off, it's it's about as much fun as I've had coaching football in quite some time. You know, just is a, it's an extremely hungry group. You know, and that's uh that's what's been really fun is. You know, you see a group that's completely bought into the vision that Coach Terrell has for this program, um, the vision that Coach Terrell has for this offense, and then I have for this offense. Um, you know, and they just—they're so—they're excited about uh, learning. You know, different ways of doing things, new ways of doing things, and then for me as a coach, and I'm just having a blast because this, this coaching staff um, just it just offers a variety of experiences, a variety of systematic approaches, um, and we've had a lot of fun putting it together. You know, and. And doing it in a way where where everybody's got some skin in the game, and, and it's been really fun. It's a uh, it's a really uh, it's a really unified offensive group right now, which which is uh, is exciting. Now, from a from a talent perspective, um, you know I've started off the quarterback position. I'm, I'm really pleased with um, you know the way B, B Lou's playing. Brendan Lewis is playing at a really high level right now. He's operating um, what I would call uh, a, a complex system, and he's doing it well. Um, you know he's he's spending extra time. He's um, taking charge of the offense. He's making really good, fast decisions, which was clearly a growth area for him coming off the 21 season. Um, you know, and, and I'm really excited about JT. Uh, JT is uh, taking a lion's share of, of the seven on seven reps today. Um, we did something a little bit different on seven on seven. We did make it, take it. So if you completed ball for more than five yards or converted a third down when it came up, you stayed on the field. And so I wanted to see if somebody could stay out there for, you know. 15 straight plays and get a hot hand and it was fun. I saw, um, you know, B. Lou took it for a while. JT took it for a while. Um, and so I'm really excited about that. The, the big area that we need to keep growing on is that next quarterback up, you know, and it's it's stiff competition right now, you know, and, um, you know, I think Drew Carter, uh, Maddox Cop, and uh, James Mott, those three guys are really vying for that. Um, and every day it's kind of a new, a new person. So right now that's our, that's our number two. Um, and so we, we've got to continue to get um, better uh, leading the second offense. You know, it's a, it's a bit of a, you know, it's, it's a mash unit right now with the second offense. You got starting offensive linemen in there with the twos that are taking double reps. So um, it's not easy, but um, because of all those reps, I think we're getting a lot better. And we just got to we got to have somebody emerge in that group. Um, really pleased with Brady Russell. Uh, he. You know he's he loves what we're doing. Um, he's taken to it. He loves the, you know the physicality. He loves the um, the involvement of the tight end, um, the multiplicity of the formations that we can utilize. Um, he's such a smart guy. He's a leader on the field. Um, you know, and then I think the area that that I'm really 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 pleased with has been the receiver growth. Um, you know, I was a big question mark with with everything that happened in the off season. Um, you know, and today I looked over and you know you see you see Maurice and Daniel Arias and. Um, Montana and RJ Sneed, you know, um, Chase Penry. I am like, I looked over after a big play. I was like, we got a wide out group here, you know, and they're being coached. They're being coached by two of the best, um, you know, in Coach McGagan, um, what he brings to the table. I've seen development and uh, and then also with Coach Durrell. I mean, just the the, the tips that, that these two can offer. Um, I don't think there's a better receiving coaching combination Uh, Out there that I've been around, and I've been around it now for uh, quite some time. To have a head coach uh, and a position coach that are legitimate NFL receiver developers and coaches, Um, you know, running back has been, uh, you know, it's been thin, but there's been a lot of progress. Um, You know, Dion's been been had a really good camp. Um, You know, Jay Lee has just shown he's kind of uh, he's kind of do it all guy right now. Um, Swiss Army knife, uh, playing a lot of roles for us and doing a really good job with it. and then Charlie Offerdahl. all This this guy just keeps making plays, um, so I'm excited by his growth and development. And then we'll get Alex Fonteno back, and you know, um, obviously the transfer portal will bring another as well. So um, we're excited about that group. Offensive line, um, you know, through the first you know five six bodies, really really good. After that, we got guys that are playing through all kinds of nicks and bruises. You know, guys that should be in their senior year of high school playing out there. You know, in major college reps, um, and they're growing. And uh, Coach Devan. Um, has just been incredible for these guys in such a short period of time. Their confidence, um, you see the way they carry themselves on the field, it's a, it's a different group.
1: All right, there you go. Like I said, kind of kind of long, but uh, it's good stuff in there, right? Um, similar to what we've been hearing probably for the most part. Uh, I, I like the whole make it, take it drill with, with JT and, and Brendan going at it. Um, the, the way that he was talking about it was like, Brendan's doing great, oh, JT's doing great. You know, we did this drill today. The the way he kind of transitioned from JT into that drill makes you wonder if maybe JT did get a little bit hotter than Brendan and they realized and didn't say anything. Maybe that's more of like a conspiracy theory, but who knows. Um, Drew Carter, Maddox Cop, James Mott, the transfer from the University of Chicago, those three kind of battling it out for the, it's right now the number two quarterback job. Eventually you'll wind up with Lewis and Trout, and so this will probably turn to the number three quarterback job. None of that is all that surprising at this point. Um, what else did he have to say? Uh, the wide receiver growth, saying that, that he's he's now pretty confident they have a good group, makes sense. Um, the, the stuff he said about having two really good receivers coaches, again, that's what we've been saying over and over again. It's why it's so easy to get excited about what those guys can do this season. Um, Brady is happy. O-line getting better. Still thin at running back, but he's liked what he's seen from them. Offensive line is a little banged up. Um, yeah, I, I feel like I don't really have to add anything on top of any of that. Um we can move along then. So he also said that uh right now they're really focused on teaching concepts. And so this isn't going to be an offense that that's based on, you know, like here's this playbook, here are the different list of plays. It's about these concepts so that you can kind of plug and play them in a bunch of different ways. Um, here's, here's what he had to say, and maybe we'll jump back in after.
2: It's been, uh, you know, it's been, we've, we've thrown a ton at them. I mean, literally thrown the kitchen sink at him and, and Coach Darrell and I were just talking about it. We're going to keep doing it. You know, um, you know we, we're, we're making them learn conceptually. So it's not just we're going to run this one play out of two formations We can run this play with multiple uh, formations, multiple personnel groupings, uh, multiple looks to the defense. Um, And so that's the area that we're really stressing this week is we threw everything at them in the first three weeks um, and really kind of started that process of the course of football school. Um, And now we're we're really kind of putting more pressure on them to do certain concepts in completely different formations or completely different personnel groupings. And so today was a day where it wasn't as clean as you'd want, and and it it was by design because I wanted them to, to think and, and put it on page on the, page, on the film uh, conceptually and then go back and clean it up and, uh, and we can grow from there. The great thing about what we're doing schematically is that we're not going to pigeonhole ourselves into being like this is all we do. Um, these are the, you know, the, the 12 concepts that we run out of the four formations that we run. Um, there's going to be multiplicity and then the offense is going to be malleable as the year goes on. So there's going to be things we're going to study NFL teams we're going to study trends and uh, and we'll keep we'll keep growing it uh, as the season goes on. So uh, full system it's uh, lots in kids have taken to it really well. It's a smart group of kids um, and they love they love what we're doing. They're confident in what we're doing.
1: Yeah, I just like that. I like that thought process because um, any given week, obviously, like you'll want to change things up. There's things that are always going to work. There's things that that are core to your identity or however you want to say it. But then. Eventually, if you want to run a trap run, you can still you can run a trap run with two tight ends to one side, with tight ends to both sides, with no tight ends, however you want. And so to kind of teach it that way, um, and then it's probably more complex to teach those sorts of things in the passing game, right? Just because all of a sudden you're saying like, oh, well, we have four receivers on the field. There's three of them to the right. Well, if we just have all of them kind of run crossers across the field, you know, guy in the slot underneath, guy in the middle, a little bit behind him, other guy running a little bit deeper behind him, like yeah, now now you say that slot receiver is actually a tight end in the next formation, or maybe there's two tight ends on that side. In the next. So so the passing game might be tougher, but the concept makes sense to me. It does seem like a good way to go about it, um, especially if that football school is working the way that it's they they always say that it is. Um, but yeah, like like all that stuff for sure. Um, here is. Oh, no. Did I screw something up? No, I didn't. Okay, that scared me for a second. I thought my notes didn't. I thought I had five notes and and six clips. Um, But no, um, next up, uh, he was asked about the tight ends, and here's what he had to say.
2: Yeah, uh, you know, it's, it's fun. I mean, we're, we don't have uh, healthy bodies right now, yeah. so it's not quite as, maybe quite as verbose in, as in terms of the amount of stuff that we'll be able to do. Um, but you know, those guys are excited because they're a part of the progression, You know, that's a big part of it. They're, they're a major part of the actual progression in, in each one of our past concepts, but we're never going to just say, hey, we're going to get the ball to the tight end here, we're going to get the ball to the receivers here, we're going to get the ball to the running backs. All five eligibles in any one of our concepts can get the football. And, and those guys saw it on day one. Um, I think in, through the first three practice, practices. I think the wide receivers caught 29 balls. Um, the tight ends caught 25 balls. The running backs caught like 20 balls. And I looked at it and uh, our quality control uh, crew did a great job of getting that information to me. And I I just, I showed, I showed these guys like, this is how we're built. We're built to spread the football around. We train our quarterbacks to go through active progressions, um, whether they're pure progressions where we go one, two, three, or they might be coverage progressions. So the ball could come to you at any given time. So everybody's, you know, their, their routes are at an all time, you know, pinpoint uh, detail because of uh, knowing the ball could come their way
1: good stuff there again Um, I I don't think we'd heard that they're a little bit short on bodies Um, I guess when you know that they only have five in camp it only takes one or two getting hurt to kind of limit things Um, but I'm not sure who that is who's missing time I think that that's some new information Um, but yeah, I mean, all that stuff about the, the balance, the 29 catches for the receivers, 25 for the tight ends, 20 for the running backs, just incredible. Like take what the defense gives you. And, and again, we don't need to spend all this time talking about last year's offense, though. I will say like, just after listening to Mike, I was like, Hey, this is really impressive. It seems like he really knows his football. Like I, I, it's easy to get excited about this offense right now. But just to make sure, I might jump back, and, and I actually wound up watching a couple of Darren Cheverini's press conferences, one from the spring and one from last season. It's like, yeah, there is I'm, – I'm not crazy here. I'm not crazy here. But, yeah, just having that sort of progression, getting everybody involved in that progression, having a chance for the ball to get to, – just for morale reasons, that seems like it would be helpful. On top of just, like, in football, sometimes the ball isn't going to be able to go to who you think is going to be open before the play. Um so good stuff there. Um, when talking about the spring game, so the spring game coming up on Saturday, that starts at 1. They also have the garage sale thing at 11 where there's a bunch of equipment and gear, all that stuff that you can go pick up. Sounds like it's going to be pretty cool up in that, I think it's the Balch Fieldhouse. Um, you uh, you actually have a sale at the team store that starts at 9 that smor- that, that morning. Um, and then field day at 3, um, a chance to, uh, to go and... and Run a forty and do those sorts of things, but uh, all that going on Saturday uh, doesn't sound like the offense is going to be all that exciting, though.
2: Yeah, we'll um, we'll be pretty vanilla uh, on the spring game. I know firsthand because uh, last year there was a new defensive uh, system in place here at CU, and we did all of our off-season, um, you know, uh, prep, and we watched every single angle that was available on the Pac-12 network of the spring showcase um, to be able to get ready for that game. And so we spent. I mean, we spent eight hours trying to figure out what it was. Hey, we got half of an end zone shot here. I think that's a three technique. So you know, people are going to watch us, particularly our first couple opponents. So. Um, you know, with that, obviously, we're not going to, we don't want to give away all the trade secrets and, um, you know, any competitive advantage that we can give our players, we want to give them. Um, and it's 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 reckless to to run the entire system with everything that you have, um, because even then, um, we might not, we might look a little bit different in the opening game, but there might be stuff that we show in the spring game that all of a sudden, you know, we're using more week two, week three. And I know those people firsthand are going to study the spring game, um, and so it's, uh, it's 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 by design going to be. Uh, Operated at a very high level, um, but I think these next two, three practices leading into the spring game—really two practices now—are um, where we're gonna really, uh, really kind of put the pressure on our guys schematically um, and formationally. It's such a wild
1: dynamic, like going from from Minnesota to Colorado in a situation where Minnesota played at Colorado last year, and now Colorado plays at Minnesota this year. So you know exactly how that whole preparation thing worked, like to to have that firsthand, like oh yeah, here's how we're scouting these guys, here's what we have to look at, here's all these sort of things, like just that that is going to turn into a real chess match, a chess match, sorry. And I, I thought about asking him, like have, have you started thinking about that game yet, like what what you're gonna cook up, but decided not to just because it was already kind of running long and there's real question, important questions to ask. That's something better for the the fall. Um, but I love that dynamic. And I think football-wise, it's going to be a lot of fun just to see what they do, um, especially because that'll be, what, their third game of the season. And so you have that first game against TCU where TCU's not going to know anything about what your offense is, especially if you're able to keep things under wraps in the spring game like it sounds like they're going to try to do. They will have literally no tape on what they're trying to do, um, so you can go out and do whatever against Air Force the next week. Like again, not to, not to diminish Air Force, because obviously, like they they win ten games back to back years, back to back to back years, something like that. They've had double digit wins. They've been a really impressive program, but I don't think that that's a team that you look at and say like, okay, we need to really pull out our most outlandish concepts you know a lot of it comes down to like can we stop this triple option um are we just bigger and stronger whatever so I don't think that that game plan is going to be one where you pull out all your trick plays and then you wind up in that situation against Minnesota your last uh your last non-conference game kind of the end of your non-conference season you could totally see where that just where all hell breaks loose and it would make sense even if it if it weren't for the dynamic between Mike Sanford and Minnesota to kind of use some creative things. So I'm excited to see how that goes. That football game is going to be a lot of fun. Um, and I think that that's probably going to kind of round out that offense. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of look at it as we have these three games to really dial things in and kind of split our offense into three parts and then kind of put things together and pull what we like from all of them and then add more stuff. And that might stand out more than anything else he said in there, that they're going to keep things fluid throughout the season and they're, they're not going to get too caught on... Oh, sorry. That was actually earlier on. That was earlier on. I just realized when I was saying that. Um, But earlier on, he was saying they're going to study the trends, see what people are doing in the NFL, that sort of stuff, and keep things um, fluid throughout the season. I'd love that. I love that because that's how football works. Like, you can't just get... You don't just do what you do, you do what works. And there's a lot of people every single week during football seasons who are figuring out new things that work at the college level, at the NFL level. It's just somebody who's plugged in. It's somebody who's like up to date. Like you're always modern. It's it's like an, off, an offense that just gets updated every single week instead of one that you plug in at the beginning of the season. And it is what it is all the way through. Um, just that sort of stuff I really like. And again, we haven't seen a whole lot of what it actually looks like. You know, how often do they have guys in motion? How often are they running gap runs versus s- stretch runs or, or zone runs in general? Um, there are a big play-action element. How often are you under-center? Do you use the pistol? Like, what What are your personnel groupings going to look like? There's so many questions. You know, are you running routes downfield? Are you running stuff underneath? Is it double moves or are you just trying to get guys to their spot and so make, the, make those reads nice and quick and easy? So we'll see what all of this looks like. RPOs are RPOs going to be in there. Um, we'll see what this looks like in September, but all these kind of peripheral things, I think it's it's hard to, to be anything but excited. Um, last one here from Mike Sanford. Um just, just ask again about the offensive coaches and kinda of what this process has been like working with them.
2: Well, you know, first off, I mean just great to work in a in a healthy environment with a head coach that um has a clear vision, uh lets you coach and be who you are. Um and I and I I just love that, that he lets all of us as position coaches and coordinators, um, you know, lead the way that, that we are comfortable leading, you know, with our personalities. Um, it starts with Coach Terrell and his vision and um, allowing us to, to do things that, that we see are fit for our offense. And then what I love, it too, is that, you know, his background as a play caller, as a coordinator, as an NFL coach, he provides a lot of feedback if there's something that might not look sound. Great. Let's and then we have a chance to watch it as a staff with Coach Darrell um, and be able to you know troubleshoot anything that might have come up during practice or in a scrimmage and be like, hey, how can we make this better? And he has the experience to to lend a helping hand and, and we uh, we have a great dialogue back and forth. And then the room, you know, we have a lot of fun. Um, you know, I, I, you know, in a in a in a in a room of coaches, when it's right, you know, when it feels right and. There's free flow of, inter, uh, there's an inter- inter- interchange of ideas. There's different backgrounds. Everybody's respectful of each other. Um, nobody's getting caught up in like, this is my idea, this is your idea. Like, we are, we are working together as one. Um, and it comes across with the players because the players are working together as one. And so that's a, that's a really, uh, it's exciting for me because I, I always, as a coach, having grown up in this profession, I'd go into a room and I could tell my dad, you know the first week that he was on the job, I said, that's a good room. Like I can tell, there's smiles in that room. Guys are, uh, you know, communicating freely. And then I've been in bad rooms, you know, where it's, you know, everybody's kind of looking. That's my idea. That's his idea. Everybody's looking to, you know, cover themselves. And, and this is not that. We're all in it together, and, and it feels that way every day I go to work. And, you know, I just. It's gonna. It, these kinds of um, staffs, uh, when given the opportunity to do things over the course of time, are gonna do. We're, I've seen it time and time again. It feels like Stanford back in 2007. Um, we had a really unique group of coaches in 2011 and thir- 12 and 13. And when we get, we're given that opportunity to build something special. Um, you saw it come to fruition, and that's what I'm. I'm feeling the beginnings of. It's a process. Um, we're not there yet. We got a long ways to go, but um, I feel that that coming to fruition.
1: There you go. I mean. That's a uh, he's excited. You just like to hear that people are excited. Um I think again, it's it's a lot easier to have good communication and everybody getting along and and good collaboration all that stuff in in April you start the season 0 and 3 and you're trying to figure out what to do in conference games we'll, we'll see we'll see what the vibes are like then, you know, but as of right now it does seem like everything's going well on that side of the ball. It's what you want to hear. And uh, we'll leave it at that with, uh, with our guy, Mike Sanford, the new offensive coordinator at CU. Uh, before we get into what Chris Wilson had to say, but first, I uh, want to tell you guys about DraftKings Sportsbook. So uh, I mentioned before that I was going to have to do this podcast in two parts. Uh, the, we, are, we are now on to the second part. I already did DMVR bets, and we put together some awesome bets for tonight. Um, the window is going to be very tight, to be able to get these bets in, but I might as well share them since we put a lot of thought into them. The thing was there were a bunch of profit boosts today, which basically means like DraftKings puts a little notification up and it's like, hey look, if you bet on this Dodgers game tonight in the same game parlay, we'll we'll double your winnings if you get it right. So it's a hundred percent profit boost. So like with that one, just easy stuff. Uh, three plus Max Fried's strikeouts, four plus Walker Bueller strikeouts. Those are both locks. Freddie Freeman to uh, get a hit. Mookie Betts to get a hit. Um, over four and a half runs in the game. Dodgers to be within one run of winning. All of that with the boost. Six to one odds. It's incredible. Um, for this Rockies game, got two Chris Bryant total bases. Um, over three and a half runs for the Rockies. Plus two and a half uh, runs in the game for the Rockies. Like So down by two that that hits. Um, A tie in the first inning. That's the bold part. Three strikeouts from Kyle Freeland. That's plus 840. Eight and a half to one odds. And I'm going to recap all these tomorrow because they're winners. Also, Hawks plus 14. Under 248 in the Timberwolves-Memphis game. Uh, Suns minus four and a half against the Pelicans. All just, I mean, in my opinion, locks. And I don't want jinx anything. But then you get that 100% boost. Takes it from, or it's not 100. It was plus 25. But from plus 166 to plus 208. Two-to-one odds on that. It's a steal. And these are the types of things that you can get DraftKings Sportsbook. And if you're a new user, you can also jump in right now and get this awesome promotion. All you have to do is download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR, and you can bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game during the first round of the playoffs, and you'll get $150 in free bets instantly. Don't have to get your bet right. You just get all of that instantly. It's promo code DMVR at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Okay. Um, also want to let you guys know about Athletic Greens. So here's a fun thing. Today, I decided to mix my Athletic Greens in a smoothie. Like, not a smoothie that I make. Like, it's not like I'm grinding up bananas or whatever. But uh, the grocery store, they'll sell you those big smoothie jugs, like over at King Supers. So I got one of those, threw the Athletic Greens in it. And I'm not going to lie, the first one wasn't all that good. But then I tweaked the second part. So I, I actually used, like, kind of a small cup. And so, I wound up only pouring half in. So, when I made the other one in, I changed the ratio a little bit. Figured it out. Actually turned out to be a good tasting smoothie. Um, You know, I'm not sure it's worth it. I'm probably just going to go right back to putting the athletic greens in water. Because, I mean, for a bunch of reasons, honestly. And for one, it's like, what if I screw it up? And it's like, eh, not so great. Because a smoothie on its own tastes good. Athletic greens on its own taste good. Why combine them and make them not taste as good? So, I'm just going to stick with the water. But, there's a way to do it and to be honest like i could see why people might like this more especially if you're like a smoothies are too sweet kind of person um I, I get it but i'm gonna go back to doing what i do shake it all up in their shaker thing right before i go to the gym in the morning um makes you drink some water which is good but the better part of course is that there's 70 dif- or 75 different vitamins there in there there's minerals there's superfoods, there's all that sort of stuff that you want to put in your body and it'll give you more energy. um, It'll give you better gut health. It's a faster way to just get all the supplements that you need. Um, Helps with your immune system. Uh, There's just a bunch of reasons to jump in, so make sure that you do that. Uh, And if you order uh, anything from Athletic Greens, you'll get a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash buffs. Once again, that's athleticgreens.com slash buffs. They'll get you all hooked up. Also... I want to tell you guys about Escape Artist. Escape Artist is the highest awarded topical brand in Colorado. It prioritizes quality and consistency. They have ratios available in one-to-one 1 and high ratio CBD, 20-to-one. They have you covered. Uh, they they always use the best materials and ingredients to deliver the premium experience. Their 800-800 creams are Escape Artist's highest potency creams available. The cream penetrates for deep muscle tissue discomfort. Um they're, they're non-greasy, they don't stain, they're fast-absorbing, the benefits last two to three hours. They're available in rose and cedar black pepper. They're founded and formulated by food and pharmaceutical scientists that believe in a brand that should truly exemplify the Colorado lifestyle of a well-balanced wellness routine. Uh, you can also try the Escape Artist Transmucosal Speed Strips. Um, it's a strip that you dissolve in your mouth. And uh, they also have escape bars, infused joints, and all that sort of stuff. You can pick all of it up at Colorado's premier dispensary. That's Lightshade with 11 convenient Denver, Metro, and Aurora locations. They have a new one, the Barnum location, just opened. It's a block off of 6th and Federal. It is the biggest Lightshade store with specialty products that aren't offered at other locations. In honor of 420... The five best-selling products will be buy one, get one for a dollar from April 20th to the 26th at all LightShade locations. So make sure you get in there. And remember that podcast listeners can get 25% off all non-sale items with code DNBR. Shop online at LightShade.com for pickup or visit a LightShade location near you. All right, now we can get to Chris Wilson. First, I should say the other thing that happened... Um, so what happened was I was like, okay, guy gets through some of this podcast. Cause as of right now, it's 5:35, hour and five minutes till first pitch. The writing thing probably won't happen. Uh, I'll probably get like the quotes pulled and then maybe I can piece them together tonight. Either that or early tomorrow morning, but, um, running out of time in part because I had to play my Madden league playoff game and I won, I stomped this guy at one point I was up 48 to 10. I think it wound up being uh, no, it was forty nine. It was forty nine to ten because I didn't kick a field goal, so it wound up being like forty nine to eighteen or something like that. Um, but yeah, I just uh, I crushed him. Now I've got RK in the NFC Championship in a couple days, which is it's gonna be a good time. It's gonna be a good time. Playoff Lenny is doing his thing. I'll say that, but more importantly, Chris Wilson, uh, Chris Wilson is again just like a, a very smart coach. Like, it's easy to see why Carl likes him. On top of that, like, he provides the energy. Like, there's a bunch of different things that you can look for in coaches. It's like some guys you bring in because they, they know how to scheme something up. Some guys you bring in because they're good teachers. Some guys you bring in because they have a whole bunch of energy and they rile things up and they make practice a little bit more intense and that sort of thing. So, it does seem like Chris Wilson at this point is just like a really well-rounded coach who's been around. He knows what he's doing. And uh, I... I, I, I'm impressed with what he did last year. I'm excited to see what he comes up with this year because I think that that's kind of the real test, um, especially for a coach who, you know, you'll hear it again today. What One of the things he really likes to say is that he wants to tailor this defense for the players on the team. And, you know, it's easy to do that in year one and be like, oh, yeah, he's, he says he's tailoring, tailoring the defense. But in year two, now we have a baseline. Where it's like, okay, if you go back out there and you run the exact same defense, are you really tailoring anything? Like maybe just all the talent lines up in all the same places again. um, One, you lose seven starters or six starters, how many starters do you lose? You lose Carson Wells. You lose Nate Landman. You lose Makai Blackman. You lose Christian Gonzalez. And you lose Mark Perry. So you lose five starters um from that defense. So again, it'll be fun to see what he actually does out there. But again, like it's it's tough to come up with reasons to 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 hate on Chris Wilson at this point. Um let's see, where do we start here? Let's start with this one. Um he is now coaching the outside linebackers and before for the last couple seasons he was coaching the defensive linemen. Um here's here's what he has to say about that transition.
0: When once you're a ball coach, you're a ball coach. And, you know, I've been fortunate enough. I've coached every position but safeties. I've worked with the corners, the nickels, and everybody. So this is just the next part of the progression. And it also allows the defensive line to get more one-on-one attention. That's a high-priority position. And, again, bouncing around is not always easy on it. So I'm glad that Gerald's here and he's doing a really good job with him.
1: He he brings up Gerald Chapman there at the end, Um, the, the new defensive line coach. And let's actually let's actually expand on that one. Um, here's here's what he had to say when asked a, a little bit more about Gerald
0: Chapman. Really good teacher. Uh, builds really good relationships with the players, which is important. Once they know you care, they'll let you coach them. And so he's done a really good job of doing that. But not only that, he just brings an extensive background of knowledge from the NFL, from being in the SEC at LSU. So he's got a really good knowledge base. And and he's able to take some of the things that we're doing here and and, and improve them. And he's bringing some new things with him, just like him and Coach Chance. So they've really been a great addition for us. All
1: right. So good stuff there, of course. But I think so far what stands out to me, the high-priority position, that's what the defensive line is. And... First of all, he's right, and this also isn't something that we've never heard before. When we first talked to him about this change, one of the things he brought up was that if you're defensive coordinator and defensive line coach, that means you're kind of doing two jobs. And that means that you're only doing half of the defensive line coach jobs. And so he really likes the idea of, of giving them a full time coach and splitting that outside linebackers coach time. That's like and that's he's never said that part. That's the implication, right? Is that like, yeah, outside linebackers maybe not that important. Again, as we learn more about what this defense is, and to be honest, I'm not gonna believe anything until we see what they actually do. I mean, we were told it was a three four, we were told it was a four three. We we're told actually last year we were told it was neither which didn't even make any sense. And so it's like, okay, well, let's we'll, we'll see what happens on the field. It does sound like there's going to be more 4-3, and we've talked a little bit about what that could look like um, because I, I I have some questions. Again, like outside linebacker is your deepest position, right? So you, you look all the way through that roster. There's three guys who've been a key part of the rotation in the past. There's a couple more who have been, it sounds like, standouts in camp, um, like Devin Grant, Alvin Williams, those guys, and it's like really not, out of those five, how are you going to get them on the field? And in that 3-4, it's easy, right? Because they're all kind of that that stand-up, edge rusher type, and they go up and they set the edge. If you're running more 4-3, then obviously you can still have those outside linebackers out at the second level. There's two and there's one inside linebacker typically. But, given how those inside linebackers work, like how that position has been coached, and the outside linebackers too over the last couple years, you would think that those inside linebackers, you you might go heavy on them, right? You might wind up with two or even three of them on the field at the second level. Um, So... How many outside linebackers are actually lining up off the ball? Because these all, for the most part, seem like on-ball linebackers. Are you also going to line them up at defensive end? Are you willing to do that? Um, I guess once you go nickel, then all of a sudden you're back to where you were last year, which is those guys are kind of your pass rushers. But I have some questions about how all of this stuff is going to fit together, what it's going to look like. Um, The truth is, though, they are very deep in that front seven. They are very deep in that front seven, and that's a good place to be deep, because you know if if you're not deep in the secondary, it can get annoying if you have to throw somebody in and he's kind of getting cooked in a game. What's even more annoying is just play after play after play of giving up six yard gains on the ground, and and that's something that with this group um, under under this coaching staff, I'm pretty confident isn't going to happen. Um, but uh, here's. Here's a little bit more on the, the 4-3 situation.
0: Well, every, every year's a new team. And so last year, you know, we were, had, we were pretty dominant. We had a couple of linebackers, obviously, that, that are played a lot of football and had the ability to hopefully play in the next level. So it was structured around them. Every year's a new team. And then you just try to complement your best guys. And right now we, we've got a, a good group of guys up front, a veteran group of guys up front. So that was the best move for us moving forward.
1: So again, you're not getting into the details of the tactics, but there was no way that was going to happen. I do think, though, that that is a uh, – it's, again, kind of what we've heard. But but the the one thing that you kind of pick up on is you think that there's more depth. And I guess when you're deciding 4-3 three, or 3-4, three, that, is, that is kind of the key piece, right? Is do you want more linemen on the field or more linebackers on the field? And that just means you pick the one where you have more talent. And again, is Jamar Montgomery going to line up as a defensive end? On pass rushing downs, I'm sure. On on third and longs, I'm sure he will. First down? I, I don't know. And so maybe, I mean, we'll get a taste. And I've mentioned this on this podcast, but on Saturday, one of the things I'm really curious about is where these linebackers are lining up. How many are they putting on the field from which position? And a lot of that will change by the time the season starts. And within the season, you're going to go week to week. Things are going to be different based on what you need out of a certain spot and even which positions you really want on the field. But we'll, uh, we'll at least get a little bit more of a taste on Saturday. And, and I'm, I'm curious what this is going to look like. Um, here's more
0: on the depth in general. I feel good. We've got some guys that are going to add to it. Obviously, this is not the final team. This is probably the bulk of the team that is here, but we've got a bunch of good uh, players coming in that we feel really good about, and uh, the scheme's tailored for those guys. So uh, we're just excited. They should be able to plug and play once we get them in here.
1: So, again, there's a handful of guys who are coming in over the summer. You know, a lot of them are, are going to be the true freshmen who didn't enroll early. Um, there are some others on the defensive side of the ball, like. Uh, uh, blanking on his name, I know what it is. Oh, Jeremy Mack. Jeremy Mack, the the transfer. Um, but I mean, also the safeties, Dylan Dixon, Xavier Smith, who knows, maybe they could play back there. Um, the corners, you know, Simeon Harris isn't here yet. Keyshawn Mills isn't here yet. And we've heard good things about Josh Wiggins and Jason Oliver. Who knows? Those might not be your two best even out of the freshman class. So there is more competition on the way. You know, Aubrey Smith, um, Chacon Bowser, the couple linebackers whose names we might be hearing. Um, but, it does sound, you know, there was the corner who came in for a visit, a transfer corner. You would imagine they'll add at least a couple more transfers. I mean, they should have three, four, four scholarships open right now. And probably a few guys who realize they're a ways down the depth chart, try to get out over or after this spring. So you get a couple more. So this isn't a final roster at all, but it does seem like you're getting, you're getting to be in pretty good shape um, in terms of what's, what What we're going to see on the field um here's here's some big picture stuff about um last year and just kind of some changes that, that they're trying to work on.
0: I go back and watch all the tape things we did well, things we need improvement, uh, where we can be better at from coaching standpoint, uh teaching standpoint, so everything gets uh vetted. And so that was the biggest thing. And the thing that you notice is there are are a lot of positive things, but the the things that broke down were glaring. And so if we can just eliminate a few of those explosives, we become a a better football team exponentially. I mean, it it really goes quick. But, again, limiting those those things that we did last year in regards to uh, mental errors, those are the things that will make us a better football team.
1: You know, I, it seems like that's every year, right? It's like, yeah, things are pretty good outside of the big plays. And I'm not sure if that's everywhere. I'm not sure if there's teams where it's just like every time somebody runs the ball against them, it's like, oh, there's five yards. There's five yards all the way through the season. Um, But, yeah, it's always cutting down the big plays. I'm surprised he didn't bring up the sacks. I think that that's probably another one. But, yeah, um, there you go. Uh, last one, I guess. Last one here on... uh. The experience that a bunch of these guys gained when there were injuries late, because obviously Nate missed a lot of time, but Guy Thomas missed a lot of time. Mekhi was missing games in there. Safeties were missing games in there. And there there was a lot of opportunities for younger players. Honestly, that defense toward the end of the year is very similar to what that defense is going to look like this season. Um, you just hope that from freshman to sophomore year, these guys have grown a bit. Um, but, but here's what he had to say about that
0: situation. Success. Is, is is definitely one thing that helps everybody you know and a lot of guys the buy-in goes up when you start seeing successful and what it allowed us to do whatever we could do for our best player, our, our number one we could do for our number four you know so when you when you're looking at it you might be the fourth corner. our fourth corner was able to come in and execute the, the fundamentals and the scheme and that was that was big for us and, it, and, it, and it's really progressing and helped us this last part of the the, uh, the spring our spring season.
1: there you go. Um, that's going to do it for today. Like I said earlier, I'm going to be up in Boulder tomorrow. Uh, we'll hear from Carl tomorrow. We'll also, I'll, I'll have a, a couple interviews to play for you. I'm not sure who yet. I've still got 17 hours before that deadline to the side. Um, but yeah, that's the plan. We'll cover all that stuff. And, uh, wow. After that, there's only one more podcast before the spring game. It's wild to think about. This This spring has flown by. Uh, it's been a good time, though, and uh, appreciate you all for listening. We'll be back again to talk more tomorrow.